Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. Today we're talking gas. We're talking about the impact of the coronavirus on the oversupply of the LNGs flooding into Europe. My name is Richard Sverison and today it's a, it's a great pleasure to be joined by Karen Sun of Sund Energy. Welcome to you, Karen. Thank you. So I thought we could start off by talking about the coronavirus and how that's impacted. I mean, it's had a massive impact on demand for oil, certainly in Asia and elsewhere. But more specifically, what what does it mean for the gas market? Well, it's paralyzing a lot of industry. Mm -hmm. Energy demand is drastically down. And the Chinese were quite quick, already several weeks ago, to claim force majeure on their LNG contracts. Not all the sellers agreed, but um, the gas cannot be delivered because they can't use it right now. So already we had a trend of some LNG cargoes looking to Europe instead of Asia as the prices were equalizing and now even more. Even more. Do you have any sort of numbers on your tips of your fingers? or in, Well, in- LNG deliveries to China are drastically down and I'm sorry, I don't have no, 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 no the worries, numbers no. for that. But, mm. but already we've seen production that was intended to go to China, going to Europe, and Japan going to Europe. And already we've been seeing Japanese sellers um, looking at both other Asian markets for reselling mm. and uh, Europe now. This is quite a unique situation then. I mean, what what is the... So the corona comes on top, as you said, of the already oversupplied market. What kind of impact is that having on prices in Europe? Well, they're falling, aren't they? Of course, exactly. So, as OPEC said when they didn't hold back production so much, Mm. what are you complaining about? It's cheap gas. Exactly. So, we're down below 10 euros a megawatt hour. Yeah, well below. Well below. And and the forward price is not looking like sudden increase either. So, is there any, any, are there any bullish signs out there, Karen? Is there anything we can expect to sort of prop up prices? You want high prices again? <laughs> Not really. No. So, you think we. It's been a mild winter, there's no constraining pipeline supplies, and no one really expected LNG to be so able and willing mm. to deliver into low price markets. But which it has done. Well, turning off is a difficult thing for many. Mm. Exactly. It has to go somewhere. We've seen, and obviously Asian prices are also at historic lows. Yeah. Uh, Henry it's, Hub, so it's... it's a, well, it's Henry a, Hub is always kind of lower now. It's even lower. So they have to export mm. to not have even lower prices at home or cut production, of course. Mm. Japan has changed from being 100% oil link at high oil prices to lower oil prices for the oil link mm. and much more support trading. So the JKM and um, Singapore prices and all these are way down mm. and sometimes even lower than TTF, mm. which was seen as completely impossible um, not that long ago. Exactly. So we're in a... In it's basic economics 101, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No demand, massive supply. Well, it's not no demand. It's yeah. just not... It hasn't increased as much as some had hoped for. Mm. And it's been a mild winter in Europe. And, and in Asia. And, well. the, and in Asia. And um, Corona on top of that. If you're a betting woman, Karen, how <laughs> long would you, would you say these low prices can last? One, one to two years? More? Are we in a, I hate the word, but a sort of paradigm of, 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 lower, of lower gas prices yeah, I globally? Don't, I don't see anything making them suddenly go back to what they used to be mm. or what LNG suppliers want them to be. 12 to 18 um, isn't 
on the horizon as far as I can see. Yep, fair enough. I mean, I think that's perhaps a very good sign for clean power generation in Europe if you're oh, if you're talking you cleaner know cleaner than coal cleaner than coal exactly but it's not exactly clean not 100% yeah no. but, but and then we've seen that a massive amount of fuel switching across so even Germany now has been using some gas and that's nice but what does this mean so you've had this scenario of very low prices you have huge you know amounts of supply coming into to Europe how should or how are what's your reflection on how Gazprom uh, or the Russian producers and Norwegian are reacting to this this situation? Not very much so far. Mm-hmm. And um, they've both been arguing that we have cheaper gas, mm-hmm. so we can beat the LNG. And now the LNG is delivering at very low prices, so cost isn't really coming into it. So. As I said to them many years ago, you're killing each other. Mm. But they have a strong belief in that their lovely gas is needed and they have lower cost than their competitors, so they will survive Mm. because the price will not go below cost. But now it has, Mm. and at least for most of them. And as long as they're not holding back, which is difficult for an engineer who's put billions into a facility. They keep delivering at low prices and the longer they do that, the longer the prices will be low and the longer or increasingly it will be impossible to say I really deserve 15 Hmm. when you settle for five yeah, or three. Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't expect them to turn off the taps anytime soon? Well, I would if I were them, Hmm. but you know, unlike OPEC, we don't have a similar arrangement for gas. And they all feel that they deserve cash now because mm. they have invested a lot and they yeah, they all need cash. And if the scenario is let's turn off for 10 years and then come back mm. 2030, then there are a lot of countries saying 2030, the gas demand will be lower. And certainly Norway isn't talking about uh, reducing their gas exports um, mm. before but, 2030 but what's, or 40%. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had estimates. One of our journalists talked to Equinor recently, and also it was on their on their slides as they presented their results. So that their costs are under two dollars per MMBTU. Mm-hmm. And is that also the case in Russia, or is that their costs even lower? Depends who you ask. Yeah, okay. There are very many estimates of Russian costs, and some mm. analysts say they are much higher than what the Russians themselves say. Okay. I'm not a cost expert, but they do have some long distances. And um comes down to what is the alternative? I'm an economist, and mm, exactly. what is your plan B? Yeah. Have you seen any indications of a plan B so far? We've had periods of low prices before. Mm. When the oil link price was much higher than the spot price, the Russians were very clear that we shouldn't oversupply the market because the spot price difference then will be much bigger. Mm. And that would put even more pressure on the oil link prices that they were holding back. While they were doing that for commercial reasons, the story coming out of Stavanger was, see, they're technically inept. Mm. You can't trust them. You should buy Norwegian gas. Mm. So that was perceived by some as being a free rider. Mm -hmm. The Russian gas is bigger in Europe than the Norwegian gas. Mm. So it still um, helped a bit. And of course, now there's hardly any oiling contracts left. Absolutely. And we have seen Norwegian and Russian gas exports at you know at record highs. Yeah, they keep going up. They keep keep going up and up. And even if Brussels says we don't like Russian gas, it's that is up. increasing more. Which brings me on to, I mean, when Nord Stream 2 comes on, mm-hmm. there'll be even more gas coming into the market. Well, Nord Stream 2 is a pipeline. 
yeah. where the Russian gas will flow mm. is up to them. Mm. Now they've said they'll send a bit through Ukraine. Yeah. And Nord Stream 2 will deliver it right to the market. Germany is the most important market mm. for Russia. Mm. It was the Germans who wanted a direct link. Mm. It was their initiative to get Nord Stream to them because they didn't trust going through many other countries, including Ukraine. Mm. Now the EU looks different. So mm -hmm. suddenly we are concerned about Ukraine's neighbors. Mm that are in the EU. Mm. So we can see Merkel trying to please both sides. Mm. And that is uh, more difficult. It's and a tricky we, game, isn't it? Well, gas flow should match demand, not flow for the sake of it. Mm. Nord Stream won't be full if the gas is not needed or bought. How tricky it is, yeah, there's a diplomatic exercise on the geopolitics, Absolutely. which is a podcast in itself perhaps <laughs> yeah i think so but i find interesting that the u.s are pushing freedom gas lng mm. more to the east of europe than to the west so in a way the preference flows are crossing mm. in that norway also but especially russia prefers western europe mm. while u.s seems to prefer eastern europe many people tell me that oh but it It's just to push their gas. And I'm like, I think it's political influence using gas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Croatia, Romania, even Ukraine. Okay. LNG is being pushed way across Europe or around Europe. While, um, of course, some is also coming into Western Europe. But now it's, it's borderlining on dumping, isn't it? Absolutely. And so this is also happening in Poland and Lithuania, where there's the two... <coughs> yeah, that's bigger, where it started. That's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people think it's only Trump. But when Obama was president, he sent Kelly to Stockholm to try to get them to veto Nord Stream 2. Mm. Not only to sell LNG, but that is what Eastern Europeans wanted. Mm. I see it as kind of a flirting exercise. Okay, so the US is sort of flirting with Eastern Europe, mm. and whereas Russia is and, and is siding with, with the Western yeah. powers. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very interesting geopolitical game uh, on the back of this commodity called gas. And uh, then also it seems to be some, what should we say, communication between the Russians and the Americans. So it was interesting just before Christmas that when there was some kind of agreement between Ukraine and Russia on some flows, within hours, the US put down sanctions on Nord Stream that they've been threatening to do for a long time. And you could almost think that they would have been more bothersome before, mm. and now they were not so bothersome, and they, you know, it was 100 kilometers left. Mm. So Nord Stream 2 will be built, it's just a matter of time. Right now, there's no panic in the markets for missing capacity. Absolutely not. But how do you see this geopolitical game playing out? I mean, you've got the sanctions on the table now, uh, yeah. which is, you know, against... Uh, so the Western companies for pipeline... German companies primarily. ...pulled out. Yeah, yeah. Not just German. Okay, but I mean, the sanctions are against the German companies. That's They're what I mean. against Western European countries, mm. uh, companies, sorry. And how do you expect that to play out? Do you, do you think that will, they'll follow through and it will, it will hit these hump companies hard? Well, it's been followed through and they have left the project. Mm. How hard it is, who knows? But it's an unusual situation between especially Germany and the US, where the US is increasingly seeing Germany as too Russian-friendly, while they, they always were. I mean, they always had gas 
long gas contracts and Schroeder on the board of Rosneft and all, you know, there's been friendship and dealings for very many years. It's a, it's a fascinating environment where you mm-hmm. have the, the geopolitical game playing out to get it, you know, playing out with a, in the background of this, this commodity that we, you know, natural gas. And as long as the US offers LNG that is cheaper than Russian pipeline gas, you know, it's not so bad for the customers either. Mm. No, exactly. But, and, uh, you know... Competition is a good thing, right? Competition is a good thing. But how much will they be making money? The private companies that are exporting this gas will be interesting to see. But, you know, you see Chenier, they're making money, but they were early. Some of the new projects are more upfront on their costs. Absolutely. That brings me to my next question, if you like. I mean, how, you know, given this environment of, of very low prices, how, how are U.S. Um, exporters, producers reacting? I mean, is there a chance that some of these, these ships could be locked in, that some of these companies could go bust even? I mean, everything is possible. But mm. so far, all we see is increase. Mm. All we see is new FIDs and Energy Information Agency is predicting even more LNG this year than last year. I don't know if they've adjusted for Corona yet, but um, okay, yeah. it seems bullish. The ball keeps rolling, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and Australia too. I mean, there's no sign of shutting down. Yeah, and the Qataris. I mean, what, what the Qataris? You know, for a long time, they were seen as the adult in the room, putting in a moratorium because they saw that if if there's an oversupply of LNG, then that's bad for everyone. Mm. But when everyone pushes to go ahead, um, they lifted their moratorium. So it's all go on all fronts. There's no all one. No, yeah, all go. Yeah. So there's. But uh, would you hold it back for fifty years? <laughs> mm, <laughs> that's an interesting question, Karen. I don't mm-hmm. think in the current environment, not really. This week, we're also seeing um, a new climate law coming from Brussels, or or um, the new green as we deal. Speak, the new green deal, exactly. What does this mean for the for the gas sector? I mean, do they have to sort of decarbonize or die? At some point, Mm. not this week. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of decarbonization going on in the markets. And I'm amazed that Stavanger still sees things like biogas as such a little thing. We don't need to worry about it. France wants to be 100% decarbonized. In the gas sector. In the gas sector. And, And what Norwegians forget is that most of the gas is for distribution to heating. It's not just gas generation, but that is what gets focused, especially by Montel and other Hmm. power boys. Of course. The thing is, the large volume of distribution goes to heating households. Hmm. They won't suddenly go electric, partly because the electricity prices are too high. But changing the nature of the natural gas that they, or the gas that they are using for heating, Uh, will reduce emissions quite drastically. At the same time, all European EU members are net importers of gas, whether it's from Norway, Russia or US or many other options. Making biogas by capturing methane and then putting it into the pipeline is good for the economy, it's good for the trade balance, it's showing that you're doing something for the climate... Mm. It's good for the farmers. It's all kinds of issues that politicians and also at EU parliament level see are needed for this so-called green shift. They need employment. They need uh, self-sufficiency. So importing fossil fuels is not going to grow as soon as it's possible to cut from any country. 
but there's also the H word here, hydrogen. Um, mm. Are you a believer in hydrogen as a solution for you know the decarbonisation of the gas sector or one route anyway? I don't know what it means to be a believer. Okay, hydrogen is there, tiny, tiny, tiny. It can be made from natural gas, blue. It can be made from electricity, which uses a lot of energy. So I think energy system efficiency needs to be talked about at mm. some point. It can also be made from biogas. And if that is capturing methane, that could be negative emission technology, mm. which is um, cutting double. Hydrogen can be transported in pipelines, especially if they are PVC instead of steel. Can be used. It's much more similar to what people had in their gas works uh, before they got natural gas. Mm. So they just need to change some burners. Mm. Can be blended into natural gas and other energy forms. So it will happen. Mm. It's just um, the pace biogas the cost, maybe is simpler, mm. less explosive, more energy efficient. But there are cousins. Mm. It's um, H2 and CH4. Mm. The only thing that differs is CO2. Hmm. And when that CO2 comes from green, it's easier to play around with it and even emit it. So you can make one from the other. Hmm. If you have too much hydrogen, add some CO2 and you have gas. Yeah. And, and the other way around, of course. But some experts will say that, you know, through the, the massive rollout of renewable energy, especially uh, wind and solar. You need something to you, eat over you, And capacity. you can use that excess energy when it's a very, you know, sunny or windy day. You can, you can use that to produce uh, hydrogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as people said 10 years ago, we've got so much LNG, we can, we've got so much gas, we can export LNG. Mm. Yeah, you can. But if everyone does it at once, it's not so profitable. Mm. If everyone wanting to make hydrogen is aiming for negatively priced electricity, it won't be negatively priced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these are basic market fundamentals, fundamentals. That, uh, that need to come into the picture. And there will be storage and there will be, you know, all kinds of clever things. Mm. Where I look for innovation is... Um, on the commercial side. Mm. How do we make good value chains? How do we appreciate technologies that cut more than others? And I find much more research and innovation is being done on the technology bits mm. uh, rather than how to make them profitable to use. Okay. How long have the, 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 you know, the big oil and gas majors got to sort of pump out this gas? I mean, we, you said sort of five, <laughs> ten years, or I mean, but by when it gets to 2030, where's the demand for fossil fuels going to be? I mean, Well, so there's still going to be a demand for fossil fuels. Mm. And countries outside Europe don't have the same ambitions yet. The COP reporting is showing increase for many countries. And some of them will try to replace coal with gas. Mm. But being a biogas girl mm. also, mm. everyone has sewage. Almost all developing countries have mm. animal manure that can make gas. Mm. And if you're in Kenya or if you're in Vietnam and you can make your own from your own rubbish, cut your emissions from that mm. and reduce your imported hard currency... I think that will happen. Mm. Unless we all but, go vegan. But how, how quickly it goes, mm. oh, well, yeah, that's another discussion. <laughs> yeah. But how quickly it goes, and 2030, of course, there will still be gas used um, many places, mm. especially when it's cheap. That will do a first 
increase in some countries. Mm. Now we see Bangladesh importing and so on. And then when is the next step? When is the real cutting happening? Mm. And let's say fossil-free EU by 2050. That's the challenge for Norway and Russia when it comes to gas exports. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll keep a, a close eye on developments, I think, Karen. And I think that's only natural. But that also means that even the oil companies are now seeing that demand could fall. So that, as you were saying earlier, just mm. means that I don't want to stop. Mm. So yeah. do it while you can. Absolutely. Even Wait. if it's low prices. Perfect, Karen. Thank, Thank you. you very much for a discussion on, on what's happening in the gas market and, and a glimpse into the future as well of the uh, low-carbon world, potentially, for the gas sector. It was a pleasure having you on the Monta podcast. Uh, we hope to have you on board again. Thanks for having me. That's about all from the Montel Weekly Podcast this week. Remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you and goodbye.